Hey there, my name is Roy Hyde and I'm the lead pastor here at Arthur Pentecostal Assembly and we welcome those of you that are at home watching us online. We're so glad that you're able to join us in this way. Well, we're on week three of our series, Here I Am to Worship. The series that we're currently in was born out of this misconception that many of us um, have, where we've tied worship to the act of singing. And since we currently can't sing in church right now because of the pandemic, per, there's this thought that perhaps we can't worship. But as we've talked about for a couple of weeks, worship is more than uh, an activity. It's actually a decision of what or who we show worth to. And when we've settled in our heart what we worship, then we'll, 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 our actions will then follow that. In week one, we looked at how gathering is a form of worship. The assembly of God's people to lift up, encourage, connect with each other is a form of worship. Week two, we looked at the role of preaching as worship. That God uses a message, often, often given by a teacher or a preacher, to convict, inspire, and ultimately give you the tools that you will need to spread the message of hope to the darkest corners of our world. This morning, I want to take a look at how generosity is a form of worship. How we view our finances says a lot about how we worship God. There, there was a rich man that was quite distressed over the prospect of not being able to take his riches with him when he died. So before he died, he loaded his briefcase with two gold bars from his private vault and he left instructions to have the case locked with a key, handcuffed to his wrist, and placed into his grave with him. And his family, when he died, his family carried out the orders to a T. When he appeared at heaven's gates, he had the briefcase with him and his key in hand. Peter, who was standing there, asked him, what do you have in the suitcase? Very proudly, the man unlocked the suitcase, opened it up, and displayed two, his two gold bars. St. Peter looked at him and said, well, isn't that special? You brought pavement with you. Now, I need to get out in front of this message and give a disclaimer. This is not a money slash guilt message. I don't subscribe to those at all. But I once heard, I once heard a story from a pastor friend of mine. And he took his youth group to a youth conference and they took up an offering very early in the, in the conference. And the speaker gave this very compelling speech of why they needed to give. And I think the offering was for something that was really actually worthwhile. Probably like a Compassion, um, compassion Kids or, or Erdo or something along that line. But a little later in the service, I guess the offering had been counted. And the same speaker came out on stage and let the teens know that they had not reached their goal. And that they needed to dig deeper. In fact, there was ATMs. They need, he compelled them to go to the ATMs and take out as much money as they could. And that they were not going to leave there till they hit their goal. Honestly, that's disturbing. It's actually disgusting. When you listen to that in the light of 2 Corinthians 9, it's hard to actually really fathom. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 says, Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. See, guilting 
or coercing or manipulating people to give money in the name of God is not God honoring or remotely in the spirit in which God would ask you to give. Now the question I need to ask you this morning is this. Do you consider yourself to be generous? Now that's a question if I was to poll each person. I think most of us would say, yeah, I would consider myself generous. When we think of ourselves as generous, we, what we do is we think of incidents where we did a good deed or we, and we felt good about ourselves when we did that. Maybe, maybe you heard about somebody at your work that was just having, down on their luck, having a hard time, and maybe you gave them $100 or something like that. Or perhaps you knew someone that was sick and you, you cooked them a meal. Maybe you, you heard about the, uh, the, the little fundraiser thing that we're doing for a couple of the couples in our church that are, that are getting married, and we want to set them off on the right path, and maybe you've decided that you're going to give a gift card towards that. Those are all great, but they don't necessarily fall under the category of generosity. What they are is they're random acts of kindness. And random acts of kindness, honestly, are fantastic. I think we actually need to do more random acts of kindness as often as we can because they catch people off guard at times and actually give us a chance to display the love of Jesus. And I don't really want to be misquoted on this, but acts of kindness are great, but they're not being a generous person. They're, they're different. See, random acts of kindness are usually spurred on by someone being moved or stirred. It often comes after something emotional has happened or you've been pitched something emotional. Maybe someone got up on stage like I am right now with a microphone and they showed you a bunch of pictures. Maybe it was kids, maybe it was animals, maybe it was a, it was a tough situation. And they tell you this very co- compelling story or, or this very moving situation It pulls at your heartstrings. Or maybe you just saw a need and you decided in the spur of the moment you wanted to fill that need. Here, here's an example of that. When I was dating my wife, uh, one night we decided that we were going to go to Taco Bell. And it was after youth group. We were in our teens, something like that. And as we're grabbing our order from the pickup window, a girl walks in, a young girl. Now, she was older than us. She was probably in her 20s. But she came, she walked in the door, and she went directly to the garbage can. She didn't look around. She wasn't self-conscious. She went right to the garbage can and started rummaging through the garbage. Now, this is obviously based on how, how quickly she did this. This was not the first time that she had done this. She was obviously very hungry and, and knew that there would be food in there that people had discarded, and she started gathering up some of the food. Now, a few tables over, there was a group of teenage boys. When they saw the girl come in and start going through the garbage can, they started pointing and snickering and and laughing at what they were seeing. I was a little stunned as I saw it myself because I'd never seen this happen before. But my wife grabbed her food and she walked over with the bag and she handed it to the girl, saving some of her dignity. And she, she gave her everything that she had so that she wouldn't go hungry. As we headed to our car afterwards, we got in the car and my wife just broke down. She she just started crying at what she had seen. Now, a couple things happened in that. First, I knew in this moment that this was the girl I was going to marry. Because someone who feels so deeply broken for those that are in need, obviously, this this is an incredible person. But second, 
My wife's action in that moment was born out of compassion, out of love, out of empathy. But it was not the definition of generosity that we're talking about today. Generosity is more than a random act of kindness. Generosity is not something that is natural. It's something that we actually learn. If you have kids, you know this. This isn't something that comes natural to kids. We teach our kids how to share. I remember one time when my kids were smaller. In fact, my daughter, Janelle, who's now 18, she was about a year and a half at the time. And she was in that mine phase where everything was mine, 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 where there was arguments over toys and whose was whose was such a big thing. Well, at the time, my wife, Jen, was babysitting a couple of kids uh, during the day. So my house was a zoo. There was like four or five kids all under the age of five running around. So as you can imagine, when I got off work, I would circle the neighborhood waiting till those kids got picked up before I came home at times. But for whatever reason, I was home on this particular day. And one of the kids was about four or five years old, and his name was Aiden. And he was bigger than the other kids, and he was a bit of a bully, and he could push the other kids around and kind of get what he wanted. So they're in the basement, and Janelle's playing with a toy that Aiden wanted. So she try, he tried to take the toy and rip it out of her hands. And I hear this scream. Now again, if you're a parent, you know that there's different types of screams. And you get pretty good at interpreting which are which and how quickly your response is required. First of all, there's the joyful scream, which really doesn't require a response unless it just goes on way too long. Then there's the, there's something wrong like someone got hurt badly type of screen. That one kind of gives you shivers and that one requires a response where you just run as fast as you can towards the scream. But there was this also this give me back my toy scream. And so this one, this one doesn't require, this requires my attention, but I don't need to go running for it. So I head downstairs slowly to fix the situation. And I'm thinking I'm gonna have to have a talk with Janelle about sharing her toys again. But as I near the bottom of the stairs, it becomes obvious that Aiden is actually bullying her and trying to rip the toy out of her hand. So as I round the corner, and they haven't even seen me yet, and I'm about to say something and open my mouth, I see my one-and-a-half-year-old reaches up, grabs the four-year-old by the collar, and rips him to the ground, throws him down, calmly picks up the toy, and just walks away, very cool, calm, and collected. Now, part of me was like, that's my girl, way to go. And I just kind of turned around and just the situation seemed to have fixed itself. So I went back up the stairs. And as I got to the top, Aiden came back behind slowly, really like crying, that girl, so mean. But like I said, generosity is not something we're born with. It's something that we're taught. Generosity, especially with finances, is taught behavior. It's not natural. What is natural when it comes to our finances often is irrational. According to a report by Stats Canada, a report that came out last month, says that the average Canadian household owes $1.77 for every dollar they make. That's not actually rational. But for many, that's actually, it's very true. In fact, most Canadians pay interest on items that decrease in value. For example, 
the average new car depreciates in value by 30 to 40% within the first year. Yet many people will finance that car and actually end up paying higher than the sticker price by the time they've paid it off for something that is depreciating in value. It's not very rational. And when you break it down, you might, some might, people might look at it and go, that's actually outright crazy. The other thing that's crazy is this. We don't feel rich, but we are. Just by being a Canadian, you are rich. In comparison to the vast majority of the world, as Canadians, we have an abundance of resources, yet we don't feel rich, but we are. And we do feel generous, but we genuinely, we aren't. Now, you might be thinking right now, Pastor Ray, I'm a very generous person, and you might be. But let me just redefine generosity for you first, and then we can come back to it. Let me look at four things generosity is not, and then you can reevaluate your position then. Number one, generosity is not impulsive. Again, we get this mixed up. Because you hear of someone in need and you write a check, or you're at a concert and someone comes out and gives a very heart-tugging speech and a slideshow about a child on the other side of the world that needs a sponsor, and you run right up to the booth and you sign up and you feel generous. Now, are you a good person? Absolutely. And these are all great things. They really are. And stuff you should be doing. Are you empathetic? 100%. But are you generous? No, not how we're defining it today. Generous people are not impulsive when it comes to their giving. They're less swayed by emotion when it comes to how they give and when they give. They're far more strategic. Number two, generosity is not determined by how much extra you have. See, for some people, they choose, to be, they choose to be generous based on their circumstances. So, like, if they get a tax refund uh, from the government, then they're like, maybe, maybe I'll give to something right now. Or they get a big bonus from work. Or, or I've heard people say this before. Pastor, if I ever hit it big in the lottery, I'd give the church a nice donation. And it's almost like they're hoping God overhears all of this so he can maybe do some things on the side. But the thing is, right now, when they haven't hit it big on the lotto 649, they're very generous. Generous people are consistently generous. Their generosity is not determined by whether they got an inheritance or any other factor. If you're the type of person that gives to others when you can, but then you don't give to things when you, when you feel like you can't, what that makes you is it makes you a very giving person. But it doesn't define you as a generous person. Number three, generosity is not tied to the number of zeros in your donation or your gift. Now, this is a myth that many of us bought into. And inherently, I think we know that the amount that is given is not, does not determine the level of generosity. However, we still buy into this in a way. Because you've heard this many times. Oh, he made such a generous donation, or she, she gave such a generous gift. And maybe it's like for a youth fundraiser and the group's hoping to raise $1,000 and someone donates $20 and someone donates $50, someone donates $10. And then someone steps up and writes a check for half the amount, like $500. And we think, wow, what a generous donation. But we don't know if it's generous. 
In fact, the only person that really knows if it's generous is the person who actually wrote the check. Because think of it this way. Someone who is on a fixed income and all they have is $50 for the month of extra cash to spend and they give $10 to the youth, now that's a generous gift. The person who wrote the $500 check, they may have so much money, expendable cash, that they don't even miss this. $500 is a nice gift. It's a welcome gift. If you're, if you're a youth pastor and you're fundraising for a thing, you are very, very happy with the gift. It's a good deed. It helped out the youth group, but it wasn't generous for that person. One of the ways we fool ourselves into thinking we're generous or not generous is by looking at the amount of money that we give a situation. The amount actually is irrelevant when it comes to being generous. The beautiful part's this, though. It doesn't matter what your situation is. Everyone can be generous. And everyone could make what we would refer to as a generous donation. Number four, the last one is, being rich does not make you generous. We, we know this because rich people are just means they have a lot of resources, but it doesn't mean they're generous. Generous people are generous. They're generous with their resources. There's no automatic link between these two. The truth is, if you're not generous with what you have now and you would say that you're not well off, you're not likely going to be generous when you are well off. Generosity is a form of worship. It's putting God's kingdom as high in worth and then distributing your resources as if you actually believe that. And the side effect of a life that is characterized by generosity is joy. It's joy. You've never, think about this, you've never met a miserable, generous person. You just haven't. You've never met someone who's decided that they're going to predetermine who they want to help and how much they want to help, and they throw in splashes of random acts of kindness here and there, and then you don't hear them grumbling about, I had to help a whole bunch of people. Generous people are generally joyful people. And it's not the main reason why you're a generous person, but it's a pretty nice side effect. I want to look at a passage of scripture today about generosity and money that Jesus said. And it may be actually one of the most well-known verses that is attributed to Jesus on the subject. In fact, this passage is so well-known, we actually might be misquoting it from its original context when we quote it today. The verse is found in Acts chapter 20. Now, Acts is the book after the four Gospels, where we learn much of Jesus' life. Acts tells much of how the early church got started and formed after Jesus has resurrected and left the earth. And so we find in Acts 20, Paul is visiting the church in Ephesus, which today, if you were to go there, it's actually modern-day Turkey. And he meets with some of the church and its elders and some of his friends, and, and he's heading off to Jerusalem by boat, and so they're there to see him off. And he's saying goodbye to them. It's very emotional. And he's knowing that when he gets to Jerusalem, he's going to be arrested. And he's likely never going to see them again. And so in his final speech, he reminds them that he wants them to live a life of generosity in the same way that they saw him model it for them. So starting in verse 32, it says, Now I commit you to God in the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. 
I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, and this is it, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You've heard that before. Maybe you didn't even know it was in the, in the Bible. It is more blessed to give than to receive. This phrase right here is what Jesus says. He says, is a phrase that Jesus had probably said and his followers had heard him say many, many times. It's a phrase that people that you know, probably people that don't even go to church, have probably heard or even said themselves. But usually when someone says this, is after they've given something of significance and someone says, wow, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you want to give that much money? Are you sure you want to give me this? And you sheepishly say, well, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I remember one time I was, I was working with some low-income students in Oshawa in a, in a different role that I had. I was, I was working in the school board. And the, the church I was attending at the time had a contact at, at Christmas time. One of the members from our church worked at a place where they had this drive, this toy drive at Christmas time for Toy Mountain in Toronto. And so they got all their employees, donated all kinds of toys, and they, they, they had a lot of toys. But what they didn't realize, they missed the deadline. There was a deadline they had to submit their toys to Toy Mountain by because they had to distribute them and it was too late. And so they had all these toys and they didn't know where to donate them to. So they contacted our church who contacted me because I had these connections in this neighborhood that I was working in. And so at the school I was at, we had all the teachers gather, come up with a list of all the kids that probably wouldn't get very much at Christmas time, if anything. And we decided we'd divide all the toys and deliver them to their houses. So my family got the unbelievably fun job of delivering all these toys across the neighborhood to the parents for their kids. Now, I want to tell you, I've never been high on drugs but I'm guessing that the high that we experienced that night doesn't even compare when we were giving out those toys. It's in that moment, it definitely felt way more blessed to give than to receive. But what Jesus is talking about here, he's not referring to a, a nice moment that you can look back on. This is where we get a little bit twisted. He's actually referring to a lifestyle. The blessing he's referring to is, is this running joy that you experience from living a life of generosity. What he's saying, what Paul's trying to impress on the Ephesians was this. If you live a generous life, not a life of inconsistent giving or randomness, but if you order your life around generosity, you will experience sustaining joy. Joy is the side effect of a lifestyle that is tied to generosity. So maybe up to this point in the message, you're thinking, hey, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. I know where he's going with this. I'm not dumb. We've been hit with the coronavirus and the church went online. And now even though the church is back, it's not at its full capacity. And we know that nonprofits have been hit hard financially, which is true. So the church must be behind financially. And so Pastor Roy is giving a talk to boost the giving Okay, okay, so why didn't you just say so, Pastor Roy? 
Let me, let me tell you this. I promise you that's not what I'm doing. In fact, if I was trying to stir you to give more, it's actually the opposite of generosity. Impulsive, emotional giving actually is counter to my, with the sermon that I'm trying to preach right now. And let me also say this. I consider this a praise report. This is really exciting. Despite what has happened in the last four months and how hard it's been, our giving in comparison to last year at this time is almost in the same spot. That's with having a youth pastor that we didn't have on staff last year, which is incredible. That it, just, it actually is just a testament to how generous many of the people in our church are that we've got through this time without feeling the hit that many people have. The truth is, I don't want, and our church doesn't want something from you. We want something for you. If I wanted something from you, there's so many big-hearted people in this church. I could just get up here and I could show you a bunch of graphs and numbers and talk about the dreams that God has for us and play on your emotions. And truth, truth is, a lot of that's just manipulation. I want you to live a generous life. Not a random life of kind moments. I but, and I don't want you to be compelled or guilted or shamed. I've mentioned this in another sermon, but my grandmother in Ireland used to go to a church that would publish each person's name and how much they gave at the end of the year in order to try to shame you into giving more so you wouldn't feel that when everyone saw and in light of that, let's look at 2 Corinthians 9-7 as I wrap up here. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. What you've decided. Not reluctantly. Not under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. This kind of, any kind of giving where it's reluctant or out of compulsion, that's not the kind of giving that God's looking for. A generous person is a joyful person. A generous person recognizes the blessing in their life and chooses to pass it on to others. Whether it be a charity they support, whether it be a person that they want to help out, whether it be the church that they tithe to. A generous life is what God wants for you. A generous life is how we worship. Let's pray. God, in the middle of all this, there's definitely, it's been tough at times for, for some people. And every person here is probably experiencing um, a different financial situation when it comes to some of this pandemic. But God, we just, uh, we choose this morning not to focus on what we don't have, but to focus on what we've been blessed with. And God, we choose this morning a life of generosity. A life of generosity that, that is not uh, swayed by the ups and downs of our circumstances, but, but on a consistent level where we just choose, we predetermine that we are going to be generous. We are going to take what we've been given. We're going to, we're going to be thankful and grateful for it. And at the same time, we're going to determine that we are going to help others. We are going to have impact in this world with the resources in which we've been given. And so, God, I thank you for a church that believes in generosity. I thank you for a church that cares and loves their community just so much. And that's why they, they choose to, to part with some of their resources 
in order to impact people that are, that are less off than them, in order to impact people with the, your word. And so God, I pray that that's what we'd be. We'd be known by, by our lives of generosity, that we'd be known as not just uh, people that are stirred or swayed by emotion at times, but people that have determined in their hearts we're going to worship through our generosity. And so God, I ask this in your name. Amen.